Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Support Solutions. In each episode, we'll chat about what we're up to and bring you fantastic interviews with guest experts, as well as our app of the month and top tips, all aimed at helping you to grow your VA business. So grab a cuppa, sit back and join us for a fun-filled hour. Hi Joe, welcome to another week, another podcast, and it's such fun doing those recordings. I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying myself. They're great fun, and we're having some amazing guests on. We're all learning so much from them. Yeah, and of course, um, we our first few, we're recording them almost back to back. One day we did three in a day, and I was totally shattered by the end of the day. I don't know about you. And then I'm editing them. Yeah, it's tiring. And then editing them together and transcripts and all the other stuff. And we're learning the process as we go along. So it's it's a great learning opportunity. Um, How much do you like learning new stuff? um, Yes, well, how can I put this? Um, I've got lots of personal development stuff um, and I have a library of books that I read um, and my Friday evenings are quite often spent with a free trial of software just for the sake of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a lady after my own heart. I'm currently learning the new version of Camtasia, which is the software that I use to record my online training and just last week Camtasia 2020 came out and it's got some fabulous new features in it which are hugely time-saving in fact I was using it just today to edit we we before we record this one we recorded um, Annabelle Kay's interview and I just edited it together in between which was great but it's it was much quicker because I was able to create a template for the podcast Excellent. and including all of the, the slides and the jingles and all the starts and ends rather than having to go and find it every time I do it. So I love learning um, new versions of things and new software. So that's, that's really cool. So let's talk about our guest who's coming on the podcast today. We're very excited to have Caroline Wiley of the Society of Virtually virtual assistant and her business is virtually sorted so very virtual very good and Caroline has been a VA for a very long time one of the first around I think so it's going to be fascinating um, to find out a bit more about the society and about Caroline so let's just stop there and we'll bring Caroline on in just a second welcome to Caroline Wiley of the Society of Virtual Assistants and Virtually Sorted. Welcome to the podcast, Caroline. Lovely to see you here. And um, we were chatting just before about steam cleaners, as you do, uh, Mm. talking about the lack of being, because as our listeners know, we've been recording a whole host of these during lockdown because people's diaries are a little bit freer than they might normally be. So it's been a good opportunity to get a whole batch of interviews under our belts, so to speak. So we were just talking about the things that we miss and one of those being having cleaning help Um, because we're all busy people and we want help. So Joe was telling me all about steam cleaners because I live in Israel and we we don't have carpets. We only have tiled floors and they are a bee to wash. 
and uh, I find them physically challenging. Jo was telling me all about her magic steam cleaner, which I'm going to investigate. So that was our chit chat beforehand, such excitement. There you go. So, um, Jo, do you want to kick us off and... and, and yeah. Without sounding rude, you've been around a very long time, Caroline, in the VA world. And tell us a little bit about your journey and how you came from, you know, what was your background? Where did you sort of make the decision to become a VA and how that then turned into the aspiration to set up the Society of Virtual Assistants? Well, um, I started back in 2003-2004 uh, was when I came up with the idea of becoming a virtual assistant. And at that time, there really wasn't that much information for VAs in the UK. There was quite a lot of information if you were in the US and there were certain training courses you could do. But actually, a lot of the information that it included was totally useless to VAs in the UK. So things like the legal system is different. The phone system is different. And, and back then, oh, we're going back so far. Um, Shelley's going to laugh at me now. <laughs> you actually had to um, had to have a US credit card to pay for some of the services that they were offering. Mm. Um, so although technically you could do things like, like uh, Vonage, uh, which is kind of like the VoIP that yeah. was, um, you couldn't actually pay for it unless you had a US-based credit card. Um, mm. In later years, they did accept PayPal, um, but basically PayPal was so insecure at that point that you were, you were highly likely to get ripped off actually yeah. using it. Um, it's so much more secure now. I mean, we use it for loads of different things. Um, but back then, it was a bit of the Wild West. Um, you know, when I set up my business, we had physical phone lines coming into the building on ISDN because yeah. the VoIP quality just wasn't there yet. Um, my website when I built it cost um, five grand. Yeah, this one did too. <laughs> yeah, because it had to be hand coded. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, all this kind of stuff. My setup cost me like six, seven grand because um, I had to buy a phone system and I had to hand code the website and stuff like that. And these days you could do exactly the same system for, you know, a couple of hundred quid. <laughs> so the barriers to entry were much higher when I started, but mainly the reason that I really wanted to do it was that I wanted to wear jeans to the office. Um, my background's in, in music and marketing. I'm an ad girl. <laughs> I work for Sony Music. I also work for Abbott Mead Vickers and URICG Riley. So I, my background is in marketing stuff. Um, and I guess that's made it a little bit easier for me to transition into being a virtual assistant because although a lot of people believe that it's about the skills that you have in terms of Microsoft Office and, and be able to type pretty fast whilst I can do that stuff. Um, the real skill that I had that kind of differentiated me from other VAs was actually my marketing background. So I, I hope that kind of gives you a wee bit of a flavor, Joe, yeah. of where I come from. And, yeah. and, <laughs> and that's really interesting because we were just talking about marketing in our previous interview with Anna. We were interviewing yeah. Annabelle Kay today as well. That's our second one of today. So we were talking about marketing, we were talking about active campaign and all kind of bits and pieces around all of that. And, and I think it's true. I think in any business that you do, um, your business actually is to sell your service, yeah. doesn't it? Um, at the end of the day, we, we all do what we do, hopefully because we love what we do. But the end, but we also actually want to earn some money out of it as well. Yeah. Uh, we don't just do it for love all the time. 
well that's what that's an interesting point because when i started i was single so i had to pay my mortgage um you know there wasn't anybody picking up the bills i had to pay the mortgage i had to pay, pay all my bills and you know that again is is one of the things which really pushed me i'm a princess trust business so princess trust helped me with my funding when i first started and i paid them back the loan that i took from them um, but yeah, I mean, if you've got to pay the bills, you've got to pay the bills and it will make you do things that are way outside your comfort zone. Sometimes with, with the business, especially with the VA business, it's not necessarily the hard skills that you have like Outlook or Word or Excel. It's who you know and who can refer you and who you work with and who you network with that will help you to get that starter role that will kick the role and the referral and and very often it, it that's how it works it's about marketing yourself in the right places and getting the right connections yeah totally joe and it, it's interesting because one of the things that i first found being, being quite young and i didn't know anybody in business um my dad has been self-employed for years in fact he's unemployable and um, he was really useful in terms of you know not telling me what to do but certainly being that sounding board and yeah. i've got this problem i don't know what to do with my accounts who do i speak to um so he was really great at putting me in touch with people that could help me yeah um you know so that that's something that i think a lot of people don't have if they don't have yeah. a business background um but i was lucky enough to have yeah, yeah. That, that's really helpful and so so you made that transition you you jumped fully into being a va i can't imagine it i'm i mean we moved we moved from england to israel back last october 2019 and um and i work on only online and and i think you know i couldn't have done what I do to the extent that I do it six, seven years ago, that the, the technology and the, and the you know, it's all converged to make it possible. So when you say you started in 2003, um, that must have been quite a different kind of VA business to what it is now. Um, Outlook was more primitive, it was still there, it was more primitive, but you didn't have cloud storage and all, all of these tools that we now have. So how did you? No, it was very different. I mean, basically, I planned the business in 2003. I launched at the end of 2004. And um, a lot of what we were doing was call answering because that was the big yeah. thing back then um, that people really wanted from their VA. And the other thing that we did lots and lots and lots of was, was things like typing letters. You know, people would give us, send us in the post physical tapes and we would sit and type those up. Um, I have always had a team, which I think, again, is slightly different in how most VAs are set up. Um, because back when I started, I had to work part time in order to make sure my mortgage payment was met every every month. So um, that's that's how, how it all started. And I had to have a team. It was actually cheaper for me to, to work on site in the mornings and pay somebody to be in the office than it was for me to totally quit my job um, and, and then not have that income guaranteed. So that, that's kind of how I started it. And that's why there were always uh, extra VAs in the business. Um, so it's never really been a solo VA business ever. <laughs> that's really interesting because I'm always, I'm kind of interested about that. I know when I set up my face-to-face -face training business, the one I sold last year, um, I set that up with the intention of outsourcing the training. 
of me being the person getting the contracts, speaking to the clients and building those relationships and then putting associate trainers in, but allowing that associate trainer to have the relationship with the clients. So it didn't always have to come through me, but I kind of managed it. So is that how you saw your business from the beginning as well? Yeah, I mean, um, early days, I had to do a lot of the work myself, you know, and um, I would say that first kind of two year period, I, I worked 80 hours a week as standard, you know, it was a lot of hard work. And those those long weeks were the thing that really, really set me apart from the other VAs, because a lot of them were just working, at, you know, in the evenings, and they were maybe doing maybe two or three hours a day. People when they phoned us or when they sent us an email were getting responses straight away, and we we're virtually sorted, so we're right at the end of the alphabet. And back in those days, yeah. well, this is that sometime, yell was the thing. So yellow pages, people would look us up in the yellow yeah. pages, and we were the last entry of all the virtual assistant secretarial services, and we got loads of the phone calls because other people just didn't pick up the phone. So it's really simple things like that that actually make a huge difference. Yeah, I, I agree with that because when I um, when I set up, the first outsourced thing I ever did was get a call answering service because yeah. I wanted somebody to be on the other end of the phone if a new prospective client rang in. I didn't want them to get yeah. my answer machine. Yeah. Not professional. So I think yeah, seven out of ten people hang up if they hear an answer machine. So why wouldn't you why wouldn't you want to get that business? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So tell me about the Society of Virtual Assistants and how that yeah. came about, because I'm really, I'm really interested in that. <laughs> so this is an accident. Um, <laughs> I think everyone knows it was a bit of an accident. Um, when I first started, I was really lucky because I met a lovely VA. The very first real life VA I ever met was amazingly welcoming to me. Um, and actually, Jane is, is still a friend of mine. And although she's no longer a virtual assistant, she, she was so generous with how she welcomed me. Um, there was no way I could ever pay Jane back, but I, I promised myself that I would pay it forward. So when I was really lucky when I first set up, because it was quite a novel thing, I got a lot of PR and we got loads of PR. Um, and when people inquired, some clients, which was great, um, but also there was a raft of VAs or potential or aspiring VAs who had just never heard of this before and really wanted to learn more. Um, so instead of uh, spending hours and hours on the phone to them, um, I set up a website and put all the stuff that I'd found out about the VA industry, about what I was using for my phones, about you know who I use for my lawyer, all these kind of things. Um, and I put them on, onto a freebie website, a freebie, freebie forum software. And um, out of that, the Scottish Virtual Assistance was born. So it was initially a meeting of seven virtual assistants in Edinburgh um, in 2005. And we basically um, agreed that we would work together to promote the industry as a whole. And it wasn't, a, you know, I'll charge this and you charge that. There was a bit of swapping of, of clients that went on, which always happens when you put VAs in a room together. But mostly it was about trying to get people to work together to make things better for all of us. Um, and I think that that's kind of at its core. And as we've gone on, obviously, we slightly got outnumbered by VAs south of the border. <laughs> um, so we, we had a name change in 2006 to Society of Virtual Assistants. And you will have seen just this week, in fact, we made a little announcement. Um, SVA has actually become a CIC, a KIC, uh, which is Community Interest Company. 
which basically means that it's a it's a non-profit and anything that we we get into the business is reinvested in making the business better and it, it basically reaffirms how we've been managing it um to make sure that you know it's not a profit thing it's very different from how other va training companies or va organizations work because they are for profit and they generally are a limited company or a membership organization where you pay a fee sva kind of asks for donations because it does cost money to run um, but we we very much if you can't afford to do that we've always had open doors and we would far rather that people know what they should be doing than hide stuff behind paywalls or, or, or things that perhaps get people disengaged with the industry organization um, where they get, oh, that's just a whole load of people waffling on about things and being really super anal about legislation, etc. Whereas actually we want to be as welcoming as possible so that people know what they should be doing. And that's always kind of been my, my core belief on that one, is that you make more people comply by being welcoming than you'll ever get by being snotty about it. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. And um, I mean, I joined the SVA. Thank you for having me, <laughs> even though I'm not a VA. Uh, and I'm currently joined a subgroup, which is all about, we're doing a virtual bake-off, which is real good fun. Um, over three weeks, the last week was, was the signature bake, and this week's technical bake. And I've got no idea when I'm going to find time to do a technical bake this week, but I have to do one, because so, I bake a lot. What are you planning to do for your um, technical bake? Um, it will some, be something yeast based, so it'll be probably maybe a chocolate yeast cake or it might be, I saw a recipe today for some cinnamon buns, cinnamon Ooh, apple I, buns. <laughs> I don't like cinnamon stuff, but my husband does, so I might make them and then he can eat them and I won't be tempted to eat them. So <laughs> that might be what I'll do, but I don't quite know when I'm going to fit it in, so it's quite it's, it's quite, quite I'm having too much fun recording the are you, podcast. Are you taking part, Caroline, in the... I, I am. I'm the, least, I'm the least practical domestic person in the universe. It's a bit of a joke that all my children live off McDonald's and chicken nuggets, which is it's perfectly acceptable. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not very technical in terms of baking, although I am taking part. I, I make a mean banana bread, which is my, my signature bake this week, last week. And the technical has been somewhat, uh, somewhat killed because um, Asda forgot to deliver my eggs this week. So um, I'm not making meringues. <laughs> I'll have to rethink about it. Um, so yeah, I, I, but I, I do have a little showstopper idea. So uh, wow, fingers crossed that that all gets delivered. Um, um, yeah, it's good fun. It's good fun. I think it's it's nice. Also, it takes us out of dealing with whatever everybody is is dealing with as well. And it's nice pictures to look at in the group when people share what they've been doing, and it's it, that that's really good fun. And I think that's what I really like also about the VA community. It's a very welcoming community wherever you go. Um, I found as an outsider to it, um, and that's in down to the leaders of it, the people that are known. Um, and also, um, you won an award this year for the first time, didn't you, Caroline? I did, I did. So this is, this is quite amusing, actually, because... <laughs> I was there. I, could, I remember your face. I was there. <laughs> I, it totally shocked me, because actually, the night before, I had been joking... So I was at the VA conference, I should say. And the night before, I'd been joking to John, because he was talking about Be My VA, and um, John Palmer, that is. And he was talking about Be My VA and how they were going to slightly change it so that it was listing, you know, the best of the best 
VA award winners. And I said, oh, well, I can't be on there. I've never won an award. <laughs> and he went, oh, and sort of glossed over it. And because, um, of course, I've always done the judging for it. Um, SVA was formed, as I said, in, in 2005. I was at the very first VA conference in 2007 with Carmen McDougall. And we've always been involved in the judging. So I've never been allowed to take part in the awards. So um, it, was, it was a true honour. And I, I, you know, it totally shocked me. Um, I was just laughing my head off half the time. So <laughs> they didn't get any good pictures. <laughs> so, no, it was, yeah, it was, it was something, to, yeah, we could see that you were, you were completely um, shocked or surprised. <laughs> Yeah, we put note on the door. In a well, meeting. I, yeah, they ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Children and dogs. Although we don't have a dog and we no longer have children at home. My children are, uh, my, I, I'm now at grandparent stage. So um, you, you have them on different continents, don't you, Shelley? I do. I have one granddaughter in the USA, uh, in New York, and my daughter there is expecting baby number two in October. Um, we have she's my eldest, Elizabeth's my eldest, and I have Mark who lives here, about an hour away from us here, so we haven't seen them for ages because of all the lockdown. They've got five children uh, under the, uh, Yakov is eight, he's the oldest, he's eight and the baby is 18 months, so that's quite a busy household. And, uh, and then our youngest son, Jonathan, is actually living in our house in London. Um, we had some subsidence, over the last year or so. So when it came to moving, we couldn't sell the house because there was an insurance claim and the work had to get done. And um, we didn't want to leave it empty. And a few times, then we thought, okay, well, maybe we can get a short let for six months, eight months, till they do the work. So we're gonna do the work now in March, April, May. Uh, and then nobody wanted to even move in for six months. And then one afternoon, Jonathan and his wife were there with Annie, and they said, oh, mum, we'll rent it from you. And it was kind of like a throwaway joke. And we all kind of sat there and looked at each other and went, well, hang on a minute. Can we make this work? They had a two-bedroom apartment. So oh, they, they got a young couple who was just getting married, rented their apartment from them, and they're living in our house. And it's a four-bedroom house with a garden. So Annie, who's three, it's been, for this time, an absolute blessing that this mm. all happened because they've been able to go out in the garden which mm. and have space in the house for them all to be. I mean, you know, they're both working and they've got Annie there as well. So, you know, like everybody else, it's, it's tough. Um, so, yeah, so we've got children and they're expecting another baby too later this, in, in, in August. So we had plans to travel to London in August and New York in October, but we're not quite sure what's going to happen at the moment. So we'll see. Mm. Yeah, we've we've got um we're quite lucky because we've got quite a big house. Um, although it's a flat, it's it's like one of these kind of apartment flats with two levels and stuff. So so it's quite big. So the kids in their playroom at the moment have got swing balls set up. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's been some crazy. Oh no, it's fine. The kitchen is is huge as well, so you could probably oh, wow. put it in there. It's easier and it's easier in the playroom. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's been great having having the space and stuff for the kids. So yeah, it's yeah. um yeah yes yeah. strange time. Yeah, my heart goes out to anybody who's maybe a single parent or living in a very small apartment and everybody's on top of each other and possibly lost their job and 
I mean, you just can't, we are so fortunate and I, you know, count my blessings every day that we are just very fortunate. I'm at the other end of the work spectrum. I'm, I'm supposed to be semi-retired, but I'm not. I'm working harder than I've worked for a long time, but I'm enjoying it, which I think is, is, is the most important thing. And Caroline, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, go on, go on, Where do you see the VA industry going and, and how will it be potentially impacted by the significant changes that are going on with COVID, then we've got Brexit, and just generally it feels like there's going to be some sort of movement now. Yeah, I think well, I've been speaking actually. FSB asked me to take part in their um, panel of industry organisations, which is very kind. We're actually meeting tomorrow on that again. Um, and it's been really interesting to see how different industries are reacting and what they think the outcomes will be. Mm. So um, lots of different things going on in different spheres and different industries. But for the VA industry, we actually have a precedent for this. So um, as you know, every year we do the UK VA survey. This year we had over 500 VAs take part from the UK. It's not international VAs, it's only UK VAs. Um, and this was all the data for this was collected uh, just before COVID. Um, but interestingly, one of the, the questions that we asked in the survey, perhaps I had one of those moments of strange serendipity, but I asked um, one of the government think tanks uh, has, has suggested that self-employed business owners would prefer to pay more national insurance if they could access things like sick leave and, and, um, and the holiday pay and minimum wages and pensions and stuff. Do you agree? Would you take it up on this if, if it was available? And we had 73% of VAs actually say they would pay more tax if it meant they could access those things. Um, so I think the VA industry in general is quite pro paying their tax and just being done with it and, and paying the right amount and, and contributing fairly to the economy. So I think that was a really good thing for me to be able to say to FSB and to the government and, and the Department of Trade and Industry or whatever they're called. That. I can remember what they're called. Um, <laughs> but one of the other things that we know from the UK VA survey because it goes back over 10 years now is we can see the last recession and we can see what happened after the last recession so having lived through it myself um i know that so many VAs went out of business 2007 2008 2009 boom 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 horrific i mean you know really good businesses people that have been in business for a long time we saw a lot of VAs leaving the industry because they were too specialized and were relying on one niche or on one service um, to keep their business afloat or on one or two clients that happened to um, but actually interesting afterwards when we look at the data from the year after sort of 2009-2010 data is what we have um, we saw a massive peak in not only numbers of VAs, in other words, there were a load of people who joined the industry because they'd been made redundant from their employed roles, um, but also we saw a peak in pricing. And the conclusion that we reached was that A, the ones at the bottom of the market actually couldn't afford to stay in business and therefore it got rid of some of those. Um, and it also meant that there was less, there was more competition for the competent VAs that had been in business a while and had experience and they were able to charge a premium and that pr pushed up prices overall. In fact, the, 
that after the recession of 2007, 2008, 2009 was actually the only time that we've seen the hourly rate for VAs in the UK actually go up significantly statistically um, of more than 5% increase. So I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing for VAs. Mm. Um, and what I've been sort of anecdotally speaking to people about um, when we've done kind of our catch-ups and things is that the ones that are really hurting are ones that have traditional VA and VA services, things like diary management and you know organizing meetings and possibly transcription as well is 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 hurting at the moment because if people aren't able to do site inspections or interviews, that then impacts on the work that they have to send to their VA. Conversely, we're seeing a lot of VAs who are in the digital media world, uh, organizing webinars, etc. They're actually seeing a, a peak in people coming to them who would traditionally have done on-site events. So people that would have used an events coordinator or people who would have had an on-site employee deal with, you know, sorting out 300 lunches for somebody you know so this kind of thing is that coming into the VA industry instead of being face-to-face -face, and actually they're seeing a real uplift in people that are coming yeah. to them yeah I think that's really interesting because yeah, I live in the online world um, apart from when I come to the PA show which I love and uh, there is so much that can be done and there are so many services that you know I could use support in you know, whether that's editing, editing my lessons once I've done them or, you know, get doing the transcriptions and putting the packages together when I've recorded everything, putting it all in my LMS, which is a separate site. And, and I'm seeing in some of the speaker groups that I'm in, I'm in a couple of speaker groups and connection groups on Facebook and LinkedIn and so on. I'm seeing people starting to say, well, I've had my speaking gigs, my face-to-face -face speaking gigs, people, people that would speak to 100 to 300 people are now defunct because those things are not happening. And I'm having to do it online. Can somebody manage my Zoom meeting for me? Is there somebody else who can do all the email marketing for it for me? So I think the, the VAs with those skills and those support skills are, are really going to come into their own because I think... I'll, also, the other thing I'm, I think, this is just my opinion, um, a lot of those businesses that thought, no, no, can't do it online, are realizing, yes, they can. And so yeah. I think VAs are going to be in pole position to take on those clients that need more support once things start to get back to normal, whatever normal turns out being. Yeah. <laughs> The new normal. <laughs> the new normal, yes. Here it's starting the new normal. Our shopping malls are about to open on Thursday. So um, Fantastic. Oh, you'll be right. I'll tell you, when the hairdressers reopen, that is yeah. going to be just such a rammy. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're allowed to work here, and uh, manicurists are allowed to work. They have to oh. wear masks and gloves. Um, but, um, yeah, they've been slowly easing restrictions here over the last week or so because um, we're very, very fortunate that they closed down really early and mm. they jumped on it straight away, more or less. So they're easing all the lockdown stuff now, which is, which is great and worrying at the same time. So people are in a bit too minds about it. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But... Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm in Scotland and, and we've been this actually today is seven weeks in lockdown we, we've had. Wow. Um, yeah. So 
it's been interesting because I think Scotland said straight away, we're not going back to school until after the summer. Yeah. Um, so we've always had that. Now, I should mention our summer, our summer holidays start earlier than England. So we yeah. go back mid-August, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've always known that the schools are not going to be open until mid-August and we've, we've kind of been expecting that. Now, perhaps that's in jeopardy now because Nicola Sturgeon is not letting go of anything until she knows that we can do it safely, um, which I think is a sensible way of looking yeah. at it. You know, she needs to see the numbers. We need to see yeah. what the impact would be. And, and Scotland does tend to be a couple of weeks behind London in terms of these things, um, just simply because, you know, physical distance um so yeah we'll we'll see what happens um but yeah Shelley you're totally right I think this is beginning to open people's eyes about the possibilities of actually doing things online um we know several NHS trusts have converted their admin staff to working from home and are not seeing uh not expecting that to be different for a number of months so it's it's been an interesting an interesting time to live through definitely definitely and i think there's there's i mean there's been some awful things but i think also people have come together a lot more um people having zoom meetups you know with family you know we could always do it we've got the technology we've had it for ages we live in we live in israel we've got kids in america kids in england cousins all over the place um and we had a family murder mystery evening uh, a couple of weeks ago, my sister organised it in London. Um, so we had my my sister in her little house, and my son and daughter-in-law, and Annie in in their in our house in London, and then my daughter and son-in-law in America, and we were here. Uh, and then my brother, who lives up the road here, lives in uh, a town called Zichoniago, which is about half an hour north of us, and his kids, and we all joined in, and it was a great fun evening. Oh, why we never thought of doing anything like that before is a mystery now. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. we never thought of it. We, we very naughtily, um, <laughs> my mum's 70th was on the 15th of March and uh, we'd, we'd had a big party, but we had caterers, everybody had had the invites um, and we decided to go ahead with it, knowing that lockdown was imminent. So the Sunday before before everything closed, um, we were very careful. Everybody who came in had to sanitise their hands. Nobody touched anyone. Every you know, we tried to keep people as far apart as possible. But you know what? It was such a lovely day. We all did get to spend time together. And in fact, we had a family wedding that was planned for the Friday, which um, obviously didn't go ahead because it it got yeah. banned. Um, yeah. So uh, what was lovely is that actually we got to spend time with them as well. Um, and they did get married, but they got married very much a smaller Quiet. affair on the beach. So, <laughs> oh. yes, we, we, we'd had a little get together, sneaky one snuck in at the end. So that was quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat with you and getting to know the, another side of you as well. The, and and uh, not just kind of like the, the public persona, um, which is lovely. And, and um, the podcast is just I'm just loving it. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm sure that um, VAs that are going to be listening will be able to, to identify with a lot of the things that you talked about and to pull out some things that they might think about the way that they set themselves up and plan to work with other people as well. Um, and we could, you know, maybe come back on another episode if you're happy to and talk about yeah. what mechanisms do you put in place when you well, want to start working with associates? 
Yeah, no, absolutely, Shelley. I mean, the, the, that's like a whole other thing and we won't get into it right now. But um, yeah, I'm very happy to do that. And uh, some little checks and measures to put in place because I get to hear all the horror stories about when it goes wrong, which yeah. are always good to know because then you can look out for them in your own business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Know the pitfalls, know the pitfalls. Yeah. Well, once again, thank you very, very much for joining us. Thanks, Joe, as well as co-host. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll let you know as soon as it's ready to go out when it will be. Um, I can't remember which num where you are in the list. We're just going to release them in the order that we've recorded them, we decided. So um, nice stuff. whatever number you are, that's where you will be in the list. So we'll let you know. And thank you very much for coming. We'll speak to you soon. Okay, thanks, Shelley. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Nice to speak. Well, Joe, what did you think? It was great interviewing Caroline, wasn't it? It was such fun. It, it was such fun. And it, it was really interesting to hear her background and just how long she's been a VA. And also, how interesting was it to think that when she started, she was looking at dial-up? Yeah, yeah. And having phones coming into her office. Yeah. Uh, and people physically sending cassettes Paper. for them paper um i remember a friend of mine um must have been in the sometime in the 80s uh, or maybe the 90s in the early 90 early 90s um she had been a, a secretary in a law firm when she had her son and then her daughter she didn't want to go back to work she was a stay-at-home mom but she used to take in typing so the solicitor would turn up on a wednesday evening with you know, a pile of files and some tapes uh, and she would dictate all the letters and then she would get in the car the next day and drive them back again. And, wow. and that's, that's what it was being a kind of, that was the, the, the early days. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was really fascinating. And also it, it brought back for me, um, when, when she said her first website cost her 5,000 pounds, my first website probably cost somewhere in that region, five or six even, yeah. because it had to be, there wasn't WordPress. No, um, no, or, it was or also, yeah. And HTML and a yeah. very, very specialised job yeah, in those. Totally specialised. So that was really fascinating. And, and also to hear the background for the Society of Virtual Assistants, I found that also really yeah, fascinating. interesting. And very I, I love the, the pay it forward idea. So, yes. Um, that, that's, that's really cool. So that was really good. And um, Caroline will come back later on in the series. We can talk about tips for working with associates and we can do a whole series on that perhaps with different people. Um, but that's for later on. Let's get these ones done. Um, yeah. and get, get, get on the road, so to speak. Yes, on the airway. On the yeah. airway. So, um, so for our tool tip of the week, we were, I, I, it's, it's mine this week. Uh, yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about Outlook. So um, one of the things that Microsoft 365 does, as Microsoft 365, so there's a case in point, Microsoft have just changed the names of all their packages from Office 365 to Microsoft 365. So before this name change, Microsoft 365 included Windows and um, the security suite and Office. Uh, and now they've sort of, merge the whole lot together and they're streamlining the packages for Microsoft 365. Uh, still hold by if you're running a business, if you're running a VA business, you're working with clients and your own business, you really should have a business license for the products. You will get better support. So that's 
that's one element. So one of the things that you get with your Microsoft 365 subscription is you get the weekly or monthly updates, depending on whether you choose to be on the fast ring or the slow ring. Uh, and most people don't even know about the fast ring and the slow ring, but of course I'm on the fast one. I would be, wouldn't I? I'm me, <laughs> And that just means that you get the new features first, which means that sometimes they don't work 100% of the time because they're still testing them. And then by the time they go out to the slow ring, you're, you're safe, they find out all the bugs and everything else. Yeah. But I, I, for one, need to know what's coming out so I can test it. So the thing that I noticed recently, or it, it was a, a few, I don't know when it was, but fairly recently, um, in Outlook, the search has changed. So up until fairly recently, if you wanted to search for an email, you would click into the search bar, which sat just above your inbox, or you would press Control and E, and that would jump you into the search. Once you were in there, the search ribbon shows up and you can set, you want attachments, you want a date yeah. range, you want from, all of those things. So in a recent update, within, so within the last month, the search has changed. It's no longer sitting just above your inbox. It's now sitting at the top in the title bar. So oh. when you look at Outlook, you'll see right at the top, there's like a, a box <laughs> waiting for you to type in, a bit like your Cortana box at the bottom of your Windows yeah. desktop. Now, when you click into that, um, then the search ribbon shows up, and then you can do your search. So, my, th so the first thing is be aware that things change, and don't panic if it's yeah. So that's tool number, tip number one. Tip number two is one of the things that, I get frustrated about when I'm searching for email is always having to change the search parameter to say all mailboxes or all inboxes. So yeah. when you go into that search, it defaults to search the current mailbox or the current folder. And I don't know about you, Joe, but I sometimes I filed something and I want it to go and find it no matter where it's stored. With yes. yes. So I, have now set the default behavior to search all mailboxes. Yeah. And you do that by going to file and then options. And this is in Outlook, of course. On the left-hand side, you will have search as one of the options. And there you can choose where it searches. So one of the options is a little box you can check to say, go to all for all, all mailboxes. So uh, I'm very happy with that. It's really been a bit of a time saver for me because I found yeah. recently I'm searching for things more uh, and getting frustrated with, with, with where it, it goes to look for them. So that's my one tip of the week. And the other tip um, is about rules in Outlook. So we all subscribe to newsletters. Over the past couple of episodes, we've, we've talked about that, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, you do it's different ways. Yeah, yeah. So we want to subscribe to them, but then the the downside, the upside is you get lots of useful information that you've signed up for. The downside is your inbox gets full of newsletters, and you don't see the important stuff because you've got all these newsletters to read. So I have a rule in Outlook which goes and filters out all those emails and sends them straight to a folder. So it's called the unsubscribe rule. Uh, and I have a folder called newsletters or news. And the rule says when something arrives in my inbox, if it has the word unsubscribe in it or the word newsletter in it, 
put it in the news file. And then I can go and look at that once a week, once every other day, whenever I've got five minutes, and read my newsletters. And they're not just sitting there in, my, in the inbox staring at me and making me feel very uncomfortable that I've got too many emails in my inbox. Yes. Do you do anything like that, Jo? Um, yes, I, I use rules quite a lot. Um, I also use something called Quick Steps, which I'm sure you know an awful lot about, Shelley. And I used to structure my inbox with lots of folders and all of this thing. Now, it, all emails come into my inbox and I have a set of Quick Steps and they file them for me automatically. Yeah. And I, I also have, if invoices come in, I have a quick step that automatically fires it off to Receipt Bank and files it. So the search for me, instead of having to search through lots of folders, I just click into the search box and it searches, you know, my completed folder, yeah. which all emails go. So the idea that I might have to then go back through the historic emails if I'm searching something, that new search feature is going to save me masses of time. Yeah, I, 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 I really like that. And yes, Quick Steps, I mean, I've got a series of tutorials on Quick Steps in my Outlook courses. So I've got two courses for Outlook, if anybody's interested. Um, I have Outlook for Windows, which is a huge course. It, it deals really only with email. I don't deal with calendar management at all. Mm. in those that's on my uh, on my roadmap and I have Outlook for Mac now Outlook for Mac and Outlook for Windows are actually quite different um, the principles are the same but Outlook for Mac doesn't have all the functionality that Windows does in fact it doesn't have quick steps which really annoys me but it doesn't have them so there's nothing you can do about it as somebody once said to me no is also an answer not the one yes. you want but it's an answer yes um, absolutely so, <laughs> so that's uh, that's my my top tip of this week for Outlook is is to change the search to make it search all mailboxes instead of just the current one and to utilize rules and quick steps to speed things up um, and hopefully you'll find some value of that and there's various blogs on tomorrow's VA with some instructions on, on how to do those things as well if you don't want to take one of the courses which is absolutely fine so I think that's enough for, 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 for today's episode, Joe. Yes, absolutely. What a great episode as well. I yeah. hope everybody's getting such a lot of great information and learning from the podcast. Yeah, I hope so too. Anyway, I, we will see and listen to our listeners. So just to reiterate, get in touch with us, Shelley at tomorrowsva.com, joe at jlbsolutions.co.uk. The podcast has a web page. You can message us at Virtually Amazing on Facebook and our websites and everything else will be in the show notes on the web page. We'll see you in the next episode. See you in the next episode. You've been listening to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti. We look forward to seeing you or hearing you or you hearing us in the next episode, which is coming very soon.